Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, the only podcast on the air that still doesn't have an intro. Still just my beautiful voice right off the bat. But <laughs> I was we say, will- you enunciate every freaking syllable. Yes, I tried And that's the, that's the only part you enunciate right yeah, there. That's it. That's it. That's Welcome all I try to, to do. Welcome to the White Tail. Yeah, that's all I try to do, man. Just really <laughs> let the people know what they clicked on when they clicked on it. <laughs> In the first six seconds, you know that this thing is balls to the wall 100% of the time. Anyways, White Tail Legacy. We want to let you guys know that we are working on an intro. We do not exactly know what we want to do because we want it to be legendary. So if you guys got any... You got any ideas for a good intro? Let us know. I mean, I mean, I have an idea. It's just, it's just, a, a, it's just typical Whitetail Legacy fashion. Whenever we start anything, it's dead middle of a season. Yeah. So I mean, we started this podcast. It was like middle shot, of shotgun weekend. <laughs> yeah. Who's who's gonna who's gonna come on this podcast? Dead mm-hmm. middle of shotgun rut. No idea. Stupid. Luckily, we found people to come on. <laughs> So, yeah, so how am I supposed to, so I finally have a nice day off to where I can do something productive, you know, work on the house, work on the wife list, you know, do do mm-hmm. stuff like that, like I say. So I'm going to do an intro, I'm going to get our intro built Ooh. on one of them days off. Yeah. But it's, it's dead middle of turkey season. I'm, <laughs> I'm chasing some birds. I'll tell you what. Ain't got time for that. That guy. Ain't nobody can't, got time for that. Can't get anything out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All cut, right. Cut, cut his pay. I just got to let you guys know, we have a, you get your pencil sharp, get you about a, a, you a know, box of don't pens. get, get one of those, don't get one of those little tablets, get like the full notebook out, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're going to be burning through pages. We got the guy from Veteran Innovative Products, the owner, Matt on, and his wife, Cindy, um, absolute bad ass podcast i mean the guy goes over why we love this broadhead 
in words that you're not even going to be able to understand because this guy is so knowledgeable about what it takes to kill a deer it blows my mind. I'm the people's I'm the people's co-host of this podcast cuz I gave them a break to be able to rewind and listen to that again because I have no idea what he said. Yeah, I need, and and it's I mean, he's just he's just so smart and it, one thing I really like about it is, you know, I wrote in my notes this guy is is a rocket scientist. But <laughs> then in my notes I wrote a humble rocket scientist. So he, Next to that, you know what I wrote? What's that? He don't take no shit. That's right. He doesn't. I like that, too, about him, and and he'll let you know it, too. This, he will. This guy is one of the realest guys you're ever going to meet in the hunting industry. I guarantee you that. And and he supports this podcast, and we can't say enough about that, and he tells us why he, he supported this podcast, and that was so cool to me that – what we're doing and our our message is why he why he partnered with us. You know, I mean, the exact reason we put this out is the exact reason he told why we partnered with this. So there's people out there. This wasn't just an idea in my head one day, and I was like, "Homie, we got to do this." This is actually <laughs> right. has meaning. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And that's super powerful for me. So get ready for this podcast, guys. I mean, I know we've been BSing you in the intro, but this is an absolute awesome awesome episode and his wife shares an unbelievable hunting story on a great buck and uh dude she killed it yeah like i just we could have her on for yeah, a whole episode we could have her on a whole episode so it sounds like she she knows everything we, about we've hunting. decided that uh homie and her are gonna shoot turkeys and pigs in texas and me and matt are gonna go chase elk Okay, uh, it, I my successful rate is going to be way higher than yours. I don't know. Matt is he probably he knows everything about elk. I guarantee. Well, you. he'll be leading the pack because be. I mean he's he said he's an old skinny guy. Yeah, I mean he will be he'll be flying up the mountains. I'll be dude, he'll be bugling yeah, for. I'll be and, puffing. Yeah. It, All right. It'd be rough. All right, here we go. Getting into our sponsors. You know what? If I did do that and shoot and shot an elk, you know what where would I'd you, take it? What would you do? What would I you would do? I would take it to Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. And you know what? He had some skull he mounts in there. does have a skull elk Man, in there. Man, dude, I don't know. I really like a shoulder mount elk. That's a badass mount. <laughs> but I don't have the room for that, dude. You, you know how much real estate... You imagine, imagine if we put a full bo- or a full mount elk in here, a shoulder mount elk in the studio. Dude, it'd be on the floor. It'd eat it up. It'd be, it'd be. We that like one guest would have to set in between the rack. I'd have uh, to get full sneak, just so it really sticks out. Yeah, Buck Five, you're only gonna be able to bring a half a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, but, uh, that that I don't understand. I don't understand people. So Cody and I went to drop off. His drop time, deadhead. I dropped off Ghost. And there's this elk skull. What was, what was the stage? Do you know Do you know the stage that that was in? Because uh, I don't know. No. I'm not a taxidermist. We'll have to, we need to have Ingram back on. Yeah, we do. It's step one. Yeah. So step two, this elk skull's in some sort of European mount. And I find that weird. Like, I either think you're doing a full body elk, or shoulder mountain. But see, but see, I don't see, I don't see very many shoulder mountain. No, elk. Like, no. I mean, could you imagine the nail you're gonna have to put that bitch on? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
yeah. like that's a tack driving bitch right there. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have a solid solid nail. Uh, yeah, I hit the stud on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. twice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'd take him to Ingram, and I'd get a European. Also, just touching on little turkey talk. Do you know what I uh, also find weird about turkeys? What's that? Like, you don't find a turkey with like a six inch beard. It's like four, five, or like nine. <laughs> it's not like like where's yeah. the middle range at? Like I had a lot of time to think in the blind today because <laughs> there was nothing going on. <laughs> so I was just thinking about that. Like, where's the seven inch bearded turkey at? I don't know. If you have That's a seven weird. inch bearded turkey, post a picture, please. <laughs> Break his myth. Yeah, please. You know what I would do at Ingram's when I shoot a turkey? I'm getting a European turkey skull. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm super... doing it. I'm doing it. I got to shoot a turkey just to get one European. Yeah, turkey. dude. Those Have look you ever sick. even heard of that? I've never no. even heard of that. That's a great idea. That's those a great look idea. sick. They yeah. look sick. All right, getting right into ECW calls. When you're in the blind, yeah. when no birds were talking, did you have time to hit the ECW? Yeah, dude, I was, I was hammering on it. Yeah. I mean, long stroke. Short stroke, purring, cutting, mm. you name it. I did the fly down. The, the only thing I can say is the birds were just not in the area. Yeah. I, I was. Because if they were, they would have they'd have been hitting it. I was hitting the ECW and the mouth called together like two birds at the same, you know, kind of working together two hands. Yeah, I Which did was kind of cool because most of, you know, if you don't have a slate call or a glass call, um, then and you're just using a mouth call. You just sound like one bird. But if you can hit the slate or glass and the the mouth call at the same time, you kind of sound like a couple hens. And that's what I was kind of doing. And it was really getting the birds fired up today. So that's something I haven't been able to do because I've never had uh, a glass call with a mouth call at the same time. So yeah, see, and that that's exactly my setup. So I, I have a I have a full strut tom with two hens, and so. It makes sense for me to be sounding like two hens. So I mean, I'm I'm purring, and then I'm just doing a nice yelp on the mouth call, and the wife's tired of me practicing in the house. I mean, she, <laughs> but that shit takes practice. Yeah. I mean, to do both, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes some practice, but she's over it. And uh, dude, that that ECW call and the purr, yeah, is it, unreal. Yeah, it's rocking the purr. It's unreal. Rocking the purr. All right, we're going to get into the veteran broadhead. This whole podcast is dedicated to veteran. Okay, we want to instill this right to you. The guy's company's name is Veteran Innovative Products, and everything that he's putting out is innovative. You know what would be sweet if we smoked ECW call with a guillotine and just clean cut a turkey's head off? Oh, dude. That's next level stuff. If you guys want to get in the guillotine. And then we took it to Ingram. Oh, wow. Oh, man. With like, would you mount it with no head if you socked it? <laughs> if you socked it with a guillotine, you're taking it to Ingram. Like, yeah, would this European mount it? Yeah. You got a four inch. Yeah, <laughs> you smoked it with a guillotine. Yeah, full body mount, freeze dry this head for me. I already cut it off for you. <laughs> Anyways, if you guys want to shoot all the sponsors here, if you want to shoot, if you want to shoot a guillotine, this guy created them. Okay, four inch cut. Four bladed, four inch cut, brought in. So you Legit. can you can miss by three inches and still kill a bird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, Dallas, you're signed up, bud. <laughs> the beer guy is signed up. 
But yeah, if you guys want to shoot that, it's in here. We we touch a lot of broadhead talk, hunting talk, good stories. I mean, everything's in this. We want to get right into the veteran VIP shout out, and we have a very special one tonight, and it is Jerry King. Jerry King. That is Matt's dad. He he said that his dad was a, a veteran uh, on the podcast with us, and we wanted to shout him out. The VIP veteran uh, shout out is brought to you by the veteran broadhead and veteran innovative products. So there's no better fit than his dad, Jerry King. Jerry, I want to thank you for your service. And Matt, I want to thank you for your service. And we're going to, this is the veteran podcast right here, this episode. So we're going to triple up on the veteran shout out. Hell yeah, we are. So we got Jerry King. We got Matt, and then we're going to go with Nels Hedden. Hadden. Hadden. Yep. U.S. Navy, 84 to 93. Sonar technician, second class, submarine qualified. STS2 and SS. So, Matt, I'm sure he knows what those mean because <laughs> he, was, he was former Navy, so I'm sure he knows what that means. But thank you, Nels Hayden. Hadden, Hadden. Wh- whatever one it is. Sorry, I murdered I feel like your I'm name. Echoing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your service. I appreciate everything that you did for us, for me and my family, and from the Whitetail Legacy Podcast crew. Um, we're gonna get right into this episode. Um, like I said, get your pins ready and if you're driving, yeah, pull over. If you're not driving on this one, <laughs> you're gonna want to crack a beer because this is a good one. I mean, this is this is a beer cracker. Write some notes and really. And I'll tell you what, right now, if if you listen to this whole podcast and you decide not to buy a, a pack of veterans, you're I don't, drunk. I don't even know what is gonna. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's gonna decide to make you buy a pack. I mean, I just I don't know. So that's all I can say about that. We're gonna we're gonna get right into this episode. All right, guys, we got Matt Futere on the line here, the the creator and owner of the Veteran Broadhead, the broadhead that we love so much. We talk about every episode. Um, we wanted to get him on, and he was gracious, gracious enough to come on here and, and let us uh, just pound some questions about the Veteran and get the word out about how awesome this broadhead is. So uh, thanks for coming on, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I've been enjoying your podcast since you started all this. I know we sent it to you right off the bat because we we loved your product and you you you've been a great uh, sharer of this podcast and we can't thank you enough on that. You're always sharing our stuff. So, and uh, well, that, go ahead. That's what it's all, what it's all about. Is uh, you know, folks talk about our broadheads and that helps us get the word out there. And and then what you folks are doing with respect to just getting people's interest in in bow hunting and raising that awareness of other products besides mine. I mean, it's pretty good what you guys are jumping in and doing. So I enjoy listening to you guys chat back and forth. Well, we appreciate that. Always we got homie in the studio tonight. Yeah, I'm ready to go. This will be the first podcast that I have actually taken notes. Yeah. And if you are listening to this, you should be too. Yeah, you're going to burn through about three pages. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get... I'm going to give him some formulas to write down. Let him do some math, too. <laughs> I'm pretty decent on the math then, so I'm ready. <laughs> All right, we want to get right in. Uh, we know we want to talk about a lot of products. We want to get right in to the veteran right off the bat. Um, I want to go over 
the basic design of it, and then I want you to go into the engineering and time that you took to get this broadhead correct. Okay. All right. Um, well, in broadheads, it's you know the first first thing that's on my engineering tablet is is accuracy, and and then after you get to hit the animal where you want it to go. The next thing, structural integrity, and then penetration performance. And obviously, while you're doing all that, you got to do the slicing and dicing to a very, you know, capillary level type cutting, so it, it bleeds very well. Um, and then a lot of the folks out there, they they kind of left the design aspects of durability and reusability off their tablets. So I left that as a priority on mine. So I'm I'm proud to see two years of results now with the veteran in the woods around the world that folks are telling me they're killing eight, 10, 12 animals with the very same broadhead. And all they've done is clean it up and put it back together and they haven't even resharpened the blades and it's still going. So that's just kind of a, a quick fundamentals of it. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. You know, how many animals one blade can actually kill. And I just want to point out to everybody that's listening Matt does not harvest animals. Matt kills animals. That's right. Yeah. That's one thing that we we yeah. started saying on this podcast because when I talk to you, you know, you you design this broadhead to kill. You know, not only to to cut, you designed it to kill at all costs. You know what I mean? There's not an yeah, aspect I, that you left out. No, I am not a politically correct individual catering to all these liberals and PETA folks, and I get enough death threats that, that you know what? Hey. You don't like my lifestyle, and I don't like yours. I'm not going to use your verbiage. I'm not going to bow down one word to them and give them the the that little bit of a win to make us change our our verbs and what or our, our description of what we're actually doing out there. I mean, I, I I'm a lethal engineer. That's what I do. So it's it's engineered to kill stuff. So that's what I I don't shy away from that. It's, Cause when we're killing stuff, we're also putting some delicious backstraps on the smoker grill. <laughs> Heck yeah, can, I'm all about how, that. That's all good stuff right there. I, I like that. Lethal engineer. <laughs> I know that's a yeah. good tag for yeah. this. Hashtag lethal engineer on that. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of going to the story of, uh, you know, the creation of the veteran and, and the process of getting it correct. Okay. Well, well, it's been about eight and a half years ago. Um, after I came out with the Adam brought it with it safe to handle razor wire people, there was a lot of people really liked, but there's a lot of potential customers that said, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of wire. I want it scalpel sharp. And, and that's where I debuted the independent blade compressibility that allows straight line arrow travel instead of a, a broadhead that has a blade, whether it's a mechanical that's open or a fixed blade, as soon as it hits bone, it changes the direction of travel of the arrow or the crossbow bolt. And you just dump a lot of energy and then the arrow's not going where you aimed it to go through. So, you know, bad juju happens. And so I thought about making sure my arrow travels straight by allowing my cutting width to automatically adjust uh, every single unique shot through an animal. Uh, and so the wire did that. It was like a nickel titanium alloy that I turned into a spring. Um, but people wanted scalpel sharp raised blades instead of wire. So I started working on that aspect to deliver that kind of a broadhead that they wanted. Because I was not interested in making just another fixed blade broadhead or just another mechanical and jump in the muddy waters of sales, uh, you know, 
market that way. I, I, I'm a kind of a unique guy. I mean, I invented the guillotine and now the atom and, and now this veteran and, and out of the requests that were given to me. So I spent quite a few years and then I ended up producing a prototype that tested phenomenally well to the point where we actually made us a pretty good production run and thought about we, we actually debuted them at ASIA show one year, but I pulled them back off the market because there was two aspects of it I didn't like. It was called the Radian. You could probably look that up somewhere on the internet. It's called the Radian. And it had a linear spring technology. But two aspects of that I wasn't real fond of, and I thought I could do better. So I, I continued. And um, it's hard to continue engineering when you're still working a full-time job doing something else, but that's why it takes time. But um, as a result, uh, a year in Afghanistan and sitting in a tent out in the middle of the desert, you've got some time when they're not trying to shoot you and uh, to work on designs. And so I did. When I got back from Afghanistan, I immediately worked on the lathe and, and got the prototypes done. And um, then we spent a couple years, two years refining it, testing it. And then, and then we put it out there in the field to have folks field tested around the world. And it was tested very, very well to the point where we brought in a gentleman by the name of Jason Ballas. He runs Outdoor Product Review Company, tests all kinds of bows and everything else. And, and he flew into Texas and did some accuracy testing, and then he started killing animals with it. And he was so impressed, uh, he brought his son back a couple months later to test low poundage and all that and um, his kid had never killed an animal with a bow or a crossbow and by the time he left our ranch we killed some critters with that veteran (laughs) so with all the positive input we decided to put it on the market and um and the results have been phenomenal yeah i'm so glad you did i remember you were talking about the accuracy when when i met you at the peoria show you said he said, don't, don't shoot these broadheads at 20. He's like, start shooting them at 60, 60 yards. Yeah. And, and, and if you put them in the dirt, you know, he's, I guarantee you won't put them in the dirt. You know, most broadhead yeah. companies, you know, start at 20, tune them if you have to. You said, start at 60, go further past that. You know, and when you said that, I knew that you had a legit product, you know, and yeah. I bought two packs, you know, like I got to try these out. And I, one thing that really hit me was super cool is, you designed these while you're in Iraq, protecting our freedom. That's something I want to. We've we've uh, we've had you as a VIP yeah. uh, shout out, but I want to thank you for your service, for what you did for us. It's super cool to have you come on and talk to us. Um, it's humbling that a veteran and a guy like you that has done so much would want to come on and talk to us. So we just want a a big thank you for you for you coming on. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. It's I. I I spent a year in Afghanistan, not Iraq. Oh, I'm sorry, Afghanistan. No, that's yeah. that's fine. Uh, but I can tell you this: um, what I did over there was it was a privilege to be working with so many. I got to say, young guys that were wearing the uniform. I went over there as a civilian contractor uh, to help them out, and I'm telling you, those guys are amazing. So I'm I'm blessed to have been able to stand beside them over there and, and do the missions we had to do and then make it back safely. So. so Matt, with you over there, um, you're obviously very passionate about, um, your company and your products. 
where did that passion come from? Did you start hunting at an early age and you're just brought up in it or you just turned to switch one day and said, I want to start hunting and design uh, a product that I stand behind? Yeah, well, don't tell anybody, but I'm originally from California. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> but my my uh, my mom, you know, married a, a gentleman that was from Vermont and, you know, we lived in the Bay Area in California and it was pretty rough there and it was decided that we needed to all just pack up and move to Vermont. So I actually went to high school in Vermont and um, and I got to meet all my aunts and uncles and cousins and, and they all got farms and whatnot. Nobody in my family hunted, my direct family. All my uncles and cousins, they were the hunters. And so they introduced me to hunting and man, I took to it like a duck to water and and I don't know back then anybody that bow hunted. And so I got that bug early and um, and just started shooting a bow and arrow and, and got my first deer. And that was it. I didn't want to shoot another one with a rifle. But um, the passion for broadheads arose from using, you know, other folks' products quite successfully on deer and, and turkeys and whatnot. But on the turkeys, I... I got to where I was losing two out of five birds and one the last year I lost three out of five birds. And I used to be a competitive archer, traveled around the nation shooting tournaments and, you know, I was okay. Um, so I could put the arrow where I wanted. And that get, made me start questioning the performance of the broadhead. And then I actually called and talked to some broadhead manufacturers and they weren't, they weren't very conducive to talks with uh, a high-tech redneck <laughs> yeah one of them and, cases uh, where you're smarter than them <laughs> no no i'm not smarter than anybody else it's just that i have a different view on life than what they do or a view on products that the marketing aspects of the products than they do you know i am military and, and that military the vast majority of all military folks have good honor and integrity and truthfulness in how they go about their daily lives. And it just doesn't exist a lot in this archery industry. And so it drove me crazy. And in one of those conversations with one of those companies was like, well, look, if you think you can do any better, why don't you go try? Cause it's not easy to do. And so I, I was like, okay, challenge accepted. Hold my beer, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> The the guillotine was born out of that challenge, and uh, the lopping of the heads was a completely new concept, and, you know, three-fourths of the industry said, well, that's not possible to make a four-inch-by-four-inch broad. It'd be accurate, let alone hit a turkey in the neck, and now here we are 16 years later, and there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of companies out there that are enjoying that manner of you know, selling or that manner of broadhead, you know, selling that kind of broadhead to kill turkeys like that. It is, it is the most ethical way to kill a bird. Um, yeah. Let's, let's get right into that. That's the question that I wanted to talk about. Cause you know, I, the mo the more inf I know a lot about the veteran, but I don't know much about the guillotine. So just kind of go over some basics of what it is and how it's supposed to be used and just some details on it. All I know is that it's large. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is the world's largest broadhead by a big margin. The closest competitor, which they're all three-blade versions, they are two and seven-eighths inch cut, yet they mark it as a four-inch diameter. Well, we don't shoot circles, so their true cutting width is only two and seven-eighths inch in a three-blade fashion. 
Our guillotine, the original one we debuted, is not changed. It is still a true four inch by four inch four blade cut width that is field point accurate uh, to any speed you can shoot it. Uh, you know, it's it's. I liken folks to to this. It's like bow fishing, though. Okay, you do have the world's largest broadhead, so you have to accommodate for that. Number one is you got to shoot it on a longer arrow, and since you're going to be shooting a longer arrow to clear your fingers and your bow side, we we suggest because of the the bandwidth of difference between people and their bows, their equipment, and their abilities. We had to engineer it for the worst case scenario, so we highly recommended you put three, you know, at least four inch feathers, full helical on the back side of it. We sold the guillotine arrow for, we sold a ton of guillotine arrows. We just fletch them with five inch full helical feathers because uh, it just simplifies everything if you just set it properly. Like if you would go bowfishing, right? You get a bowfish arrow, a bowfish rest, a bowfish reel, and a bowfish point, and you go have fun bowfishing. Uh, it, there's a mental block with a lot of customers initially where they think they got to take a four inch guillotine and put it on their deer hunting arrows and they're good to go. Well, that's just not the case. So if you set up properly, like we recommend, um, you're going to enjoy years of lopping the heads off turkeys. I mean, we've got, we've got customers about to, uh, one pack of guillotines 16 years ago and every year they travel to do the grand slam with those same three broadheads. They haven't had to buy another pack. They just replaced the blades on them when they need new blades. That's killer. Yeah, I want yeah. to. That's something I got to try. I got to lop a head off, man. Yeah. Go squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting. I mean, coyotes and raccoons. I mean, it'll do a number on them. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's sure. Uh, one thing I want to rewind to, Matt, is uh, so you're saying that. On the arrows with the guillotine broadhead, you're recommending a f- uh, a five inch feather and uh, four feathers on that arrow. No, at least a four inch to five inch feather. Okay. All right. Just three of them. Just okay. You can stay three. Okay. Yeah, just three of them, and we recommend full helical. Now, if you want to use plastic, it's you know back when we used to sponsor the Double Bowl guys, we did a lot of testing and they confirmed it that you could put four blazer veins on with the helical, um, or at least three degree offset. Helical's pretty good, um, and so you get away with shooting four blazer veins uh, on the end of the arrow instead of feathers if you don't like feathers. But hey, Mark, um, uh, just just for me or Matt, I'm sorry for me, full helical. What's that mean? Well, there's three manners of clamps for putting a feather on a arrow shaft or a crossbow bolt. They're straight. There's three degree offset, which is the standard that's out there. And then more for the traditional guys, there's full helical. It, it's a wrap. It's 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 a twist to it. So it's not just a straight clamp. Okay, um, I see. I see. You can look that up on the internet, what the difference is, and then probably see a photograph that will allow your you know, to more fully understand what the difference is. Yeah, I think we're going to take a brief pause and let the <laughs> listeners rewind all that and, and digest that there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. What you got next? I I want to I want to I want to talk about. I see a lot of we're not we don't have any pigs up here, so I want to talk okay. about that hog log, man. I've seen okay. a, lot, a lot of cool like trail cam videos and trail cam pics of that, and uh, that's something like kind of off the wall to me. That, and you you created that right yourself? well no um i i'm very honest with folks and letting them know that 
I didn't invent that manner of, of feeder, but there is nobody been able to figure out how to make one last. The pigs are very, they're very destructive, very persistent, and they'll destroy home-built models uh, within a matter of days or, or minimum weeks. And so over the course of years, once I found that style of feeder was very effective for bringing the largest boar in the woods exactly where I wanted them, 20, 25 yards away, so I could test broadheads. Because uh, I wasn't interested in just killing any old pig. I needed the big, mature boars broadside for engineering-style testing right through the shoulder plates. And and so I built some in four-inch model. Well, the pigs crushed them, and they broke them, and they destroyed them within a matter of days. And so I went to a larger diameter six-inch pipe. They can't bite that. They can't get their mouth around that. And so that eliminated that crush problem. And it held more corn, so it lasts longer. And and then everything else we developed over the course of a what does it take? My buddy Greg King and I worked together to develop it to where it is pretty much bulletproof now, and will last a tremendously long time. But um, it solved the problem of bringing the boar. I mean, I'll give you an example. We we lease three thousand acre ranch down here in South Texas. Okay, there's fifty eight broadcast feeders on them that spit corn out twice a day it's like russian roulette man Where, which which feeder them pigs are going to go to and and they're not there very long it's chaos and then they run to the next one so i'll give you an idea how effective the hog log is at putting pigs where you want them to go we only had seven hog logs on three thousand acres and the pigs rarely visited the deer feeders anymore they were all day every they were all not all day but not in the heat of the day but well before dark and then all night long and then quite a few hours after sun comes up there's pushing them hog logs around so we could kill pigs at will now um uh, and then folks found out we were doing these and hey make me some and <laughs> so we did a you know then we did a little market test at a local feed store and it, it did pretty good and and that whole business aspect of price and all that packaging and everything came into play and we've since refined it now to where we're uh, very cost competitive. You can't build one yourself for this this cost, and um, and they just flat out work. So we're we're selling the heck out of them now. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, listeners from the south, and I've actually gained some pretty close friends from down in Mississippi area and stuff. And they talk about those pigs and how how destructive they are, and and uh, I think it's cool that you have something that's going to draw them that good. You know at, that. You know, instead of hitting 50 different feeders, you're just trying to guess where they're going to be and to, to get them off your property. Because that seems like the main goal is just to eliminate them. But um, it seems like it, it's not possible down there because there's just so many. Well, it, it is it is possible. It just takes a lot of work. Um, and then the surrounding area that you don't have influence of is, is a breeder for putting pigs back on your property. But... Uh, the state of Texas actually utilized the hog logs and they'll put them in a great big round pen and they will trap a whole bunch of pigs at once as they go in there and push that thing around and around and around. Um, what we noticed was if you, if you have the hog logs out, all of a sudden there's no more ranch damage. It's rare that they damage the ranch, you know, the, the dams or the, the, they put holes in your roadways and all that stuff that was typical before. Now you give them a place to go and a reason to stay there for hours and hours every single day. And the destruction on the ranch came to a screeching halt. And we didn't really notice this too much 
because we're just so focused on hunting and killing and all that fun stuff, uh, testing and developing broadheads. But this past January was our, our last month on the ranch. So we had to pull all of our equipment out of there, which included the hog logs. And so we pulled everything out, but we're still, you know, unpacking camp and loading trailers. And we're, and that took a few weeks. Boy, in them few weeks, <laughs> those, those pigs just destroyed that ranch roads and dams. And I mean, they were tearing stuff up because <laughs> we pulled the hog logs out of there. We gave them no reason to, you know, root that hog log around. And so they just started rooting everything else up. Yeah, see, that's something we don't even have any idea no, how destructive they actually are. Well, they'll put a three, four foot hole in the ground overnight that, you know, you drive your truck down the road at night, you're not looking where you're going, all of a sudden you'll bottom out. I mean, they're they're pretty tough. I want to get into the uh, trail cam video that you had of the hog that you shared today or within the recent past. That sucker was huge. That was a pretty good one. That's not as big as we've shot, but he was, what I liked about him was he was just one of those lean, old, tough boar that was solitaire. And, um, yeah, we ended up putting a a prototype veteran through him and he he didn't make it. Um, I think he went about 45 yards and he was (laughs) dead. (laughs) That's about all the deer make it up here with the veteran. Yeah. 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 My goal is less than 50 yards and we've, if we could, if we compiled all just the verbal responses from customers in the last couple of years on the veterans, I'm thinking we're averaging about 36, 38 yards, somewhere right in there on average. That's with, that's, that's in sight distance from the stand. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, there's real thick in the South. So as soon as I get 20 yards out they're they're, you know, they're out of sight. <laughs> that's one thing I will tell the listeners. I've said it before, but I shot a doe, made it like 10 steps before she crashed um shot a turkey i've never got a clean pass through on a turkey blew right through it then i shot a buck and i've never had a buck crash within sight and it was a six and a half year old i mean it was a big body deer and it he crashed 60 yards in sight i mean that's that's three animals same year all with a veteran all within sight distance out of a stand and then i mean I mean, it leaves a Mac, you know, awesome blood trails because it, you get, you have such a good chance of getting a pass through, but you, I mean, if you see the animal crash, you don't even need a blood trail. You know, I was so astonished that the buck crashed within sight. Like I was second guessing whether I seen him crash or not. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that doesn't normally happen. You know, you know, you might hear him crash. Thank you. Hear him, you know, but when I seen him go down, I was like, Wow, that I mean, he's down. I can go go up right, you know, right now and, and check him out. So I just want to put that out there that we 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 absolutely love this product and we're using it successfully multiple times. You know what I mean? And the blood trail on your doe, oh dude, that yes. was the craziest blood trail I've ever seen. Insane. Yeah, it was insane. I'm not, I mean, I'll I'll reshare that again. I'll post it again when when this comes out. It is. The, yeah, the, the craziest thing sight, I've seen. The shot site was like, I mean, a blind guy could have finally <laughs> shot that deer. It was, it was crazy. And but. then I was sold. Um, before we get too far away from the hogs, uh, Matt, Cody, and I really want to get on some hogs here in the near future. Um, I seen you comment on a post today talking about hog anatomy, and you know you don't want to shoot the hog um, 
where you would shoot a deer. You want to shoot it more in the shoulder. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, even a deer. I, I think people are in the habit of being told, oh, you got to shoot behind the shoulder. Well, study your anatomy of a deer as well. The reality is you want to be in front of the elbow between the point of the shoulder and the elbow. Obviously, you're going to be more crowding towards the elbow, but there's a triangle of bone there. It's not a dense shield like on a hog. Um, so, the, you know, the vitals, you want to shoot for the center of the vitals. And so, well, a hog is definitely a different kind of a beast. Just look at their spine to begin with. Their spine starts about mid-stomach. And then, you know, going towards their head, it starts dropping down low towards the, the middle of their skull. And as a result, it's it's kind of it's not like a deer where their spine is pretty much straight across it and then their head goes up. Right. Um, it, well, there's a little dip and then it goes up. And in um, a hog's vitals are just crammed into between like an African animal, I guess is the best way to say it uh, there. You do not shoot behind the elbow of an african animal and you don't do that on a on a pig either i did post a little photograph looking thing that shows the vitals of of a pig and even their lungs they show go up and back a little farther than what they truly do and in, in my experience so i i really tell people the best thing is to wait for them to be quartering away and shoot just behind the elbow but always focus on where the the broadhead is going to come out the point of the offside shoulder in front of it. So you're, you're just skier in the center of their vitals that way every time. And then um, pigs won't go 50 yards. I mean, really they only typically go 20, 30 yards. Yeah. That buck that I shot this year, he was kind of courting away and I shot right behind the shoulder, but then it blew through his opposite shoulder, then came back, got an exit and then came back into the animal, which was crazy. And, it had enough force that it broke its opposite, like where the joint meets the the elbow down there, broke that clean in half. I mean, after exit or passing through an animal, still had enough force to break its leg on the opposite side. And I shoot probably like a a sixty two pound bow, you know, nothing crazy. He was close. I mean, five six yards. So, but that's why I shot a little high and I had that exit, you know, blowing through his shoulder. And blowing through the elbow on the other side just blew my mind. Well, the this is the first. This is an entirely new category of broadheads. You know, I'm, I'm I play with nuclear physics and you know nuclear power and, and electronics and, and like I was mentioning earlier that I I work on ion implantation equipment. It's particle accelerator. It's pretty high tech fun stuff. But the the thing is, this is the first broadhead that's engineered to manage straight line arrow travel. I am managing the efficient use of the momentum energy that you've imparted into your arrow the moment it leaves the string. So, yeah, we did enjoy the the tip geometry is is as we've probably you've seen the photographs of heavy cow leg bone breaching. I mean, this brought it is extremely tough, but the first priority of that tip geometry beyond bone busting is. Uh, molecular air control, air flow control. So by the time the air molecules pass across the surface area of the tip of the veteran broadhead as it's going through the air, it makes the air go unorganized and chaotic. So by the time it reaches my airplane wings of my blades, which are exposed always to one and a quarter inch cut, true cut width, uh, it cannot create lift and fly anywhere else other than where you aim it. And so by that, we're, we're phenomenally accurate. So... 
Uh, and this is to, to any speed you can shoot us. We had uh, a friend of mine name is Sam Wood, crazy. <laughs> he's a, a former Marine, you know, once a Marine, I was always a Marine, but uh, he's a fellow veteran and love him to death. And, but he shoots 50 caliber air rifles and he tested the veteran shooting through that at over 500 feet per second. And his response back to me was, holy smokes, these things are nothing but pinpoint accurate. Um, over 500 feet per second. So this broad, it is really engineered for the future and uh, in accuracy, in exposed cutting width, always to, to kill the animal, even if the blades never deploy, that's a fail safe of mine. Um, also the, um, the uh, dual spring suspension system that allows the cutting width to automatically adjust itself as it's going through the animal that you're shooting. Uh, when it encounters bone, it can compress the blade back to the narrower cutting width, get past the bone, allowing the arrow to travel straight. And then just like the suspension on your truck, man, the tire goes back to where it, it was supposed to be uh, after you hit a bump. And uh, same thing that the blades do. They get real wide again through the vitals. And then as you've discovered, you're not going to get a blood trail unless you get a pass through typically a good blood trail anyway. And so that's the key element of this product. I'll even reduce the cutting width down if necessary to make sure we get an exit wound. Uh, as, as my studies show, you know, at the end of the day, all broadhead engineers should be focused on really one thing, and that's to improve recovery rates of the animals we're killing. And getting an exit wound greatly amplifies the ability of the average bow hunter to recover that animal they've killed. So, um, and then the bonus is, hey, pick it up, clean it off, and that veteran's going to go kill some more. <laughs> yeah, that's what sold me was the the variable cutting width. So, you know, if you hit a rib or something, it's not going to deflect your arrow. It's going to flex and go straight so you don't lose all that momentum. And then the no rubber bands, the, the no hinges, there's nothing that, you know, that takes power away from this broadhead it creates its own power with that spring so right when i when you showed me that i was like i'm sold on it right then but i just wanted to pound you some more details you know because i i'm a especially the older i get i really like to uh to pay you know pay for something that's american made and especially if it's veteran made um you know just like your broadhead is that that's important to me the older i get you know and then yeah. to have something that's so powerful and packs so much more than just a normal broadhead, you know, I mean, it's it's worth every penny to me. I mean, it's... it's well, sir, I'll give you a little, you know, I, I'm very proud to have served in the Navy seven years when I was younger under Ronald Reagan. You know, President Reagan was, was a very good president. And we didn't have any wars during my seven years of active service. Did a bunch of deployments. You know, that was a lot of fun. In fact, I was just chatting with one of my fellow sailors that I served with on a, on a ship. And um, so I really enjoyed that time of my life. But the the experience of Afghanistan, whew, I'm telling you that. Old, I do not recommend you do that. If they offer you, don't go. Just don't go. <laughs> All right. I'll jot that down in my notes. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, but the, the broad ed, you know, we called the. And the first generation brought in the radian. You know, I'm a physics guy, and so that was a radian is a unit of measure. You can go look it up. <laughs> Take your notes there. Yeah, go yeah. Look it up. Radian. radian. R-A-D-I-A-N. Anyway, um, so the, the this broadhead, though, when we were 
sitting around trying to figure out, well, what do we call this thing? And um, for those that have experienced something like what we did in Afghanistan, the military folks and the civilians that are standing right beside them that should get equal equal support um, because we're all over there and it's not a fun place. But I, I, I called the company Veteran Innovative Products, and I'm proud of that. That's that's from my heart. But the broad in itself is red, white, and blue. I don't know if you noticed that. And yeah, I yeah, called. Yes, we did. America, red, white, and blue yeah. meat missiles. What I call them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never heard that one yet. Oh yeah, I say uh, it on the pod. Red, white, and blue meat missile. It's just begging to crush some meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, we call the veteran the veteran because my experience over in Afghanistan, I witnessed some things that no person in their lifetime should have to witness. And we've lost not only in Afghanistan, but in Iraq and Vietnam and Korea. My dad served in Korea and Vietnam, and he's he is my ultimate hero. You know, his, his name's Jerry King. He's my dad. And I love him to death. But in honor of all the people that have served, that's why I called the broaded the veteran because it's been there it's done that it's been battle tested and it will stand the test of time just like our military generation after generation the united states has the finest military fighting force the world has ever known or will ever see and so that's that's a little i know it's a deep thought with respect to how i got that name but that's what it is you know it's just it's um it's in honor of everybody that served it's still here and those that have sacrificed all yeah, that's. I mean, I'm glad you covered that because I'm so glad you come on this podcast too. Because then the the thing I love about this is people see how great your product uh, is, but when they connect to you as a person, that makes me love the product anymore. Because you're such an awesome guy and yourself, so knowledgeable about hunting and what you're doing, and you're passionate about it. It makes me want to buy more because, I mean, <laughs> what? Uh, sorry, homies. Crack, he's cracking jokes, but yeah, uh, I, I, I dig it, man. I, you know, I'm, it might be just me getting older too, is, is I connect to people that I can true, can tell are true people. They're not putting on a show or anything, you know, and I can tell that you truly care about customer satisfaction and not just selling a product. And with saying that, I want to get into these, uh, new improved, uh, blade lock rings. Yeah. Yeah. We, we put the we tested the broadhead and we had probably a, a you know greater than a ninety percent blade open rate on animals and we told people when they ask well how accurate is this oh it's accurate just shoot it into some targets and oh by the way them foam targets it's a man made material the blades probably won't open up in the in the target the foam target because that's a continuously compressive force applied to the blades which is not anything like an animal. And, and me being, you know, narrow focus, I'm engineering to kill an animal, not a piece of foam. So we we had such success and, and support that we put it on the market. Well, you know, the harshest critics are out there that um, that uh, will give you <laughs> pretty quick feedback on what you didn't do right, you know. And, uh, and some folks, they relayed to me that their confidence was a little bit sketchy in the veteran broadhead. Uh, even though we haven't exposed one and a quarter inch because in the their testing of it for accuracy, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards, whatever, the blades weren't opening in the foam. And so I'm listening, right? Okay, I'm listening. And then we had, I don't know, four or five customers in the last two years tell me, hey, 
uh, blades didn't open up on the animal. Killed the animal. We watched it fall 20, 25 yards away. It did what it was supposed to do. But dang, I, I could have done that with a fixed blade. I didn't need these fancy, you know, mechanicals in there if they don't work. And so all that positive input being fed back to me, I got real busy. And we went through a bunch of iterations trying to figure that out and stay within all the confines of the, the parameters you have to when you're doing a broadhead from weight to functionality, ease of manufacturing, cost, everything. And, and that blade lock ring was developed with, uh, you know, my initial concept and my drawings. And the, the good Lord was looking out for us because I, I took my drawings to the machine shop where I have all these things made in Fredericksburg, Texas. I got to put a shout out to Sour Machining and his crew. They're phenomenal people. But uh, uh, one of the machinists actually misread my drawing when he did a program and he produced the ring. And it was <laughs> it was not what i drew but really close and and i was like well you made the part let's let's shoot it and see what happens and by god it worked better than anything we could come up with otherwise and um and so that ring was then field tested extensively and we put them out to the field staff they killed a bunch of animals and we've just had flawless performance in foam and animals now you know i like to say 99.95 percent because there's always going to be that one instance that doesn't open up in a foam target or on a deer but boy we really have solved that problem to a, a pretty high degree of confidence that um, our customers will greatly appreciate i like i like that you said you know it, even if it does not open it's still going to kill you know what i mean so you, yeah. put, you put that out there knowing that it might not open in foam, but then you had a few customers complain. And like I said, you care so much about your customer satisfaction and the quality of your product. You went and re-engineered the whole thing again. And now you're, you know, you're sending blade lock rings out to make sure that it's a hundred percent, you know, as close as you can to a hundred percent, the best broadhead that you can get. And I believe this is the best broadhead, you, the best broadhead you can get for accuracy for killing deer and the best message behind a broadhead that's ever been made. And that's, that's why Fire. I love it. I thank you for that. I mean, you're, you're not only making me blush, you're making my wife blush. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey now hey, yeah. here's the thing I'll, I'll, and I told, I think I probably told you this when I met you at the show there last year is this veteran is definitely a brand new category of broadhead. And as we experienced, it is always room for improvement, and we did that. And it's a phenomenal. I'm I'm proud to say it's a phenomenal broadhead that I have a, a fabulous grassroots bunch of folks believe in it, believe in the company and and what we stand for. And I'm I'm humbled by the the acceptance of something that evolved over the course of more than 25 plus years. You know, it's been a long road. And like you said, it's, I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't simply a passion because you don't want to know how much coin we've thrown at my engineering learning curve. <laughs> it's been a, it's been fun, but um, yeah, I, I love trying to make the world's finest performing broadhead. So when a customer puts it on the, the arrow, It'll never fail them, and they don't even think about it. It just works 100% of the time. I just think this is a two-blade version. Um, when we can get this small company really foundation set up and going, this is generation one. I'm already working on number two. Yeah, I just I just want to say you said you, you know, I, I feel like you probably feel like I'm blowing you up, but I'm being straight off scout's honor. 
you know, straight up with you. You said that you want to create the greatest broadhead ever, and I think you've already done that. And anything that you do from now on, it's just going to improve on that because there's no one out there that's making a bad. I'm going to say badass. So that's the only way I know how to describe this. Yeah. The the a badass broadhead with a badass message behind it. You know, so you already achieved that. And anything that you do from here on out is just gravy on top. And I like gravy, so come on, come on with the gravy. Well, Matt, before yeah, well, you... here's, a, here's the thing, and and this is this when this is kind of the difference of our foundational commitment to our customers versus you know the the industry. Um, what's the word habit, I guess you could say the habit in the marketing or the manufacturing marketing and selling a broadheads. I just didn't agree with it. I think that's the foundation of why I got me into designing broadheads at the beginning. Uh, I'll give you an example. When I sell that veteran broadhead or my guillotine, it is, or the atom even, it is a true four inch by four inch guillotine. It's a true one inch by one inch cut width atom. And this is a true one and a quarter inch cut width veteran broadhead right i do not market it as diameter i can do that to the atom and the veteran because i mean the guillotine because they are truly a four inch or a one inch cut um but two blades is two blades the the straight line measurement of that is one and a quarter inch when you market for example a three blade hundred grain broadhead the average description on the packaging for those broadheads is one and uh three sixteenths inch diameter of cut right well that's only one sixteenth of an inch less than the veteran and it so it's what's the difference right well it's a big difference if you actually measure the true cut width of that hundred grain three blade broadhead it's barely seven eighths inch cut legal so we don't shoot circles you 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 got to measure the true cutting width of the broadhead and um it's like a, we had a gal that shoots a very low poundic bow, and so uh, that was going to test the veteran broadhead, and they were shooting a very popular small three-blade for penetration reasons, okay, because that's what you do. They're not allowed to shoot the mechanicals because it takes so much energy to deploy the blades and then penetrate that wide cut. They just don't work well off low poundage women and kids' bows. The veteran solved this problem because of its length to width ratio. It's very good. Back to the old traditional style, cutting widths and lengths. Uh, it's called workforce efficiency. Uh, anyway, she she shot pig and deer with the veteran broadhead with her little tiny, I think it was 42-pound bow. And, um, I mean, we're talking sticking well out the other side. She'd never experienced that before. And so that gives them immediate competent verification that the broadhead really does perform well. And, and both the critters die really quick, of course. But they, they like you experienced, with pass-through performance, they just had never seen that before. Um, so anyway, back to the marketing of it. I, I like to subscribe to the truth in what we're selling, always, without doubt. It's There's not a shine to any of it. And... Um, and so we, you know, that's kind of the old military background of, you know, putting the integrity into it. Yeah, that's one thing I really love is, you know, you're not marketing, oh, we're harvesting deer with this broadhead. Like, you are straight up being honest. We are killing deer, and we are, that's what we have set out to do. 
It's like blood trail. You mentioned blood trail. I'll be the first to say every broadhead on the market has the capacity to deliver a pretty dang impressive blood trail here and there. And you can cherry pick and say, look, that's the, this is what it's going to do. Look at this massive blood trail. I don't subscribe to that. It's because um, while we can deliver that, is it going to do that 100% of the time? Well, no, that's not reality and that's not honesty. It really is dependent upon shot placement, okay, where you go through the vitals of that animal. And you're going to get a more consistent and better blood trail if you're hunting from an elevated stand than you are hunting out of a ground blind, shooting level or up at an animal, right? Um, because gravity works and blood likes to collect in the low spots. So if you've got a low spot low down on the deer, you're going to get some blood coming out of it. If you definitely center punch the lungs, you'll definitely get a lot coming out of its nose and mouth as well, which leads to a very good blood trail. Um, but And so there's a lot of variables that, from an engineering standpoint, that come into play on the forensics or the uh, of my lethality studies anyway that have me saying, look, you, you'll – Probably not ever see a commercial from us that is touting some look at this massive blood trail. That's marketing BS. You know, we'll do it. I'm saying we'll deliver the blood trail like you've experienced, but uh, it's uh, our confidence is simply we're going to enhance your ability to recover that dead deer or pig or turkey, whatever it is, because more often than not, we're going to get a pass through, which uh, our competition cannot deliver because we are the only ones that has an automatically adjusting cutting weights to managing energy. So we have more energy left to get a better penetration path than what they do. That's just the reality of physics. Yeah, I will say um, the first deer that I shot with a veteran was my very first pass through. And I've shot, you know, 60, 65 pound draw on, on all my bows. And. I had a, you know, I had ghost come in at 16 yards, was not a veteran, brand new Hoyt carbon defiant, and I did not get a pass through and it just blew my mind. And then I had a doe come in at 23 yards, shot her with a veteran, pass through. And I wasn't even expecting that, but, you know, just having Cody tell me about the broadhead and the way it performs, once I come down off the adrenaline rush of, you know, shooting a deer, I thought about it. And I was like, you know, that makes perfect sense. I should have gotten a pass through. Yeah. I, I like to tell people that there is, you know, all broadheads will kill animals from the old traditionals, even the stone. I mean, we all know all the broadheads will kill animals. I'd say my studies, you know, without publishing anything real specific is let's just use 70%. They'll all kill 70% of the time and recover the animal. Right. Well, what about that other 30% or at best 25%? Because there's always that 5% or 10% that you're just, for whatever reason, old Mr. Murphy reaches out and bites us in the butt and it, and, and it just doesn't happen. Uh, shot placement, whatever the variable is. Just typical rain hunting. Walks, <laughs> yeah, rain washes the blood trail out and that deer was, you know, um, you know, uh, marginally hit and it travels a, a mile and a half and, you just can't find it. That just happens. So let's give them that five or 10%. So that leaves 20%. All right. The veteran brought it is engineered to perform not only up to that 70% number, but up to that additional 20, 25, even 30% is the goal I'm after. Right. We want perfection. But so the veteran brought it is like an insurance policy in that 
suspect 20, 30% range that other broadheads we know for a fact will not deliver the end result that we're seeking. That's why every single year you get every magazine and TV show, they're all out there touting the new and improved and, and uh, law, you got to try this. It's the best broadhead and all this kind of backyard testing it's done to quite subjective and i don't subscribe to it all because they have no idea what it really takes to test and develop broadheads um um you know that are engineered to kill animals not steel doors and plywood and all this other bs but <laughs> anyway uh that so i guess that's kind of a mindset people can think about is yeah they'll all kill and i know that if you've had good success with brand a and brand b you don't want to go try brand C because these have worked for you. I get that. But the reality is you're going to hit a day when that didn't work for you, just as you experienced with respect to your being shocked at getting passive performance using all the same equipment. The only thing you changed was your brought in. And, and not only did you get passive performance, but look at the blood trail you experienced and then look at the short distance the animal traveled. Those are key results that justify the reality of the consistency in the performance of the broadhead that we are very happy that thousands and thousands of folks are already experiencing in just a couple short years. Um, so it's, it is, it is humbling to see on like Facebook that you get folks are asking a question, Hey, what a, I'm thinking about changing a broadhead. And now I see my customers and they're all jumping on there. And I see the veteran being mentioned quite often much more so this year than obviously the first year and that momentum is gaining and i'm you know my family and my my best friend in the world business partner we're we're phenomenally excited about all this um confidence that that is growing in our customer base with a growing customer base but pretty exciting um i uh, i want to get you know we told our stories of success about mm -hmm. the veteran but i want to get your wife on if she's ready is she ready Say hi, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> Solid entry. Killed the entry on there. All right, Cindy. Uh, I want to get your uh, successful buck story. Um, uh, Matt told me about this buck that you guys had, and I've shared the pictures multiple times because it's just such a rare and cool animal. And it was, it, and then to take it with a veteran that you guys created is that's just super special to me. So I want to get that story out. Um, people had seen the picture on our page and now they can associate the story with the picture. Okay. Once upon a time. <laughs> hey, hey, you might have to edit this, but I'm, I'm Navy. So all of our stories start out. Now this ain't no shit. Listen up. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you want to know? Just, uh, just tell us how the hunt went down and, uh, you know, the excitement and the the, well, the details, the good stuff. We hadn't hunted there in probably like a year. That spot. That In that spot. And so I decided I, I, I knew something was over there because we just kept, we kept filling the hog log and the, and the pigs were there. So I decided that that afternoon or I just wanted to put a blind over there and just hunt. Pop-up blind. Yeah, pop-up blind. Um, and I shoot a crossbow because I'm not able to pull a bow back. And so that afternoon, we just put a, a blind up. And so 
I wanted to sit there. And so he put it up there and I got in it right after he set it up. And a bunch of dough came in and bucks and stuff like that. And um, finally it was starting to get uh, dusk. And so um, I could see a big buck coming. There's a, there's a pond over there and I could see the buck coming and that's the one I was going to shoot. But then I could see something right behind it. Wait a minute now. The buck that she was going to shoot, we'd been after for a couple of years. It yeah. was like a white, it was a white tail buck, all wild free range, low fence ranch, but it had the antlers of a monster mule deer. This was a, this was a solid Boone and Crockett, somewhere around that 180 inch mark. Holy. It was well, it was Holy well smoke. past his ears. Yeah. And, and it split G2s just like a muley. It was a monster mainframe 10 with a 12 point, you know, the, because of the kickers. It was it was a giant. They had been running together for probably like four years. Yeah, wasn't four it years. four years? Yeah. And um, I wanted him like the year before, and I sat there the year before almost every day trying to get him to come back in, and he he wouldn't come back in. And so we hadn't seen him, and so I could see something behind him, but wasn't sure what it was. And so, but I was going to shoot him instead. The big one. The big one. And so he kept coming. And then all of a sudden they got close enough, probably like 20 yards. And then I saw him and I was like, oh my God, which one do I shoot? The old fuzzy horn <laughs> So he was fuzzy horned, but he, by then, when we first saw him, he was a, a spike horn. Four years ago. Four years five, ago. Yeah, four or five years and ago. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> but I wasn't sure what he was. And so I shot him, and I got a complete pass through. And the other one just took off. And so then I heard Matt coming, and he's like, what'd you shoot? And I said, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? And here, okay. <laughs> and now she's... She's never done that before, uh, but she's tried to play with me. You know the old trick about, oh, I shot a doe, and you walk up, and it's a big old 10-point kind of deal? <laughs> I thought she was doing that to me. I don't get to play that joke knew, enough. <laughs> you know, we knew that 180-inch deer was over there, and I thought, oh, she got that joker, you know. And she's, I was like, really, honey, what did you shoot? She says, honey, I don't know what I shot. I'm tr- I really don't know. And he goes, how many points is it? And I said, I don't know. He goes, well, you must know what you shot. And I said, I shot a deer. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, and I I said, God, I hope I got it. I said, because I I know it's something. I just don't know what it is. So we we blood trailed it up. It didn't go 50 yards. I don't even think it went 50 yards. It just barely made it out of sight from where she could see from her blind. We're thick down there, but, um, and then he walks up to me and he goes, oh, my, oh my God, God, you just don't know what you shot. And I go, I don't know what I shot. And when I finally got on him, up to him, I was like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe I got him. And I, and I told her, I said, you mark my words, honey. I said, you have no idea what you shot. This is going to go viral on the Internet. And sure enough, <laughs> it did. Uh, he was so beautiful and then he started videotaping it and he ran out of videotape 
and then trying to pick him up without dragging him or yeah. ruining his uh, hide. Yeah. It was just amazing. I told her, I said, you know, you're going to be an internet superstar with this buck this year. And we were at the ATA show, right, this January. And, of course, oh, yeah. that picture was all <laughs> over everywhere. And so we have our little 10-foot by 10-foot booth at the ATA show. You know, we're just a speck on a, on a, on a behind of a field. <laughs> Is compared to the ATA show and how big that thing is. But this, everybody's walking by, walking this way, walking that way. And all of a sudden, this lady and this husband's walking by us, and she slams on the brakes and turns and looks at Cindy and goes, I know you. You're the gal that shot that buck that we saw on Facebook. <laughs> oh my God. Can I have your autograph? Oh my no God. No way. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe it, but. He's beautiful. I can't wait. To get, he's at the taxidermist. I can't wait to get him back. And I told the taxidermist, I said, I don't care what you do as long as his horns look exactly like they were when I shot him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a, we'll take an autographed uh, photo of that for the <laughs> studio. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was pretty, I mean, I'm kind of calling it the Cape Buffalo, but because the pedestals grew together exactly like a, a mature Cape Buffalo's would. And the horns are over 30, 30 pounds, pounds of antlers alone. All right. And he's like, at, <laughs> at the base of him, he's like 14, 14 plus inches around. inches around on, at the base. And at the tallest part, I think he's, what, nine? At the, at the nine I inches think we around. measured the narrowest mass measurement on an antler is like nine and a half inches. Nine and a half inches. All but right. he's so soft. He's so soft and it's all velvet, but yet it's really hard underneath, yeah. underneath it. So, and it grew completely together. Wow. So it's a solid piece of horn and everything, but um, it almost looks like a, a doe, but it's not. It's a, it's a buck. Yeah. Well, so. I think after hearing that story, we get a, uh, shut Cody down from having homeboy at seven and a half inch base because yeah. that deer just mopped homeboy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. I I don't think there's very many deer out there that had fourteen inch bases. Oh I mean, man, got to be in the top ten. <laughs> well, I sat back there after that just to try to get the other big buck that was there. Yeah, he said no he, way. <laughs> he just never came back in, but. You, done. you know, because that was his running. I like partner. it. A greedy woman trying to go double. <laughs> I like that. Hey, you done hit the you hit the jackpot <laughs> once, right? Play again. So, uh, I mean, I, I shot a couple years before that. I think the year Matt came back from Afghanistan, I shot a a huge twelve pointer. Yeah. You know, I get. I, I've killed plenty of deer and critters in my life. I've traveled and hunted caribou and black bear and the elk and all that fun stuff and. Cindy hasn't, and um, so I I become on the ranch here, and uh, I become the guide, and I'm phenomenally ex more than excited for her or my daughter or any of friends or family that come down to hunt when they're successful. And a deer like this is um, so you can say the veteran did its job. Oh yeah, it oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, and I even got a, because uh, I'm a huge turkey hunter, um, turkeys, turkey hunting is more my passion, but I even got a bearded hen with the veteran uh, also. See, I'm, I'm along the lines of you, like, I'm a lot more into turkey 
than most people. Like, I mean, deer deer is my thing, but a lot of people around here they're they're just like either into turkey or they're not. But I'm just full of it. I mean, I might as well be chasing a 160 inch deer in the spring. Well, you and Shane go hunt. Me and Cody are going to go kill some elk. Then. Oh, okay. Time out. Hit the brakes. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Any day. I mean, I'd like to get a nice turkey. Yeah, I can. I I love the turkey hunt. Don't get me wrong, but. Man, I'd, I'd rather go kill something carrying some delicious back straps to it. Cindy, do you have the hookup for some hogs? We'll send the these. Hogs? Bo- yeah, we'll send these boys out to Colorado and have them chase their tails around, thinking they're going to get elk, and we'll go down and smash some hogs. How about that? Yeah. I bet I could hook you up with some hogs. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're getting somewhere. We're getting a little traction. I don't like eating them, but I like killing them, especially with the. Ve- I shot with a veteran like three hogs. At one time and got a pass through yeah, with my crossbow. With the hog log. The hog log will line the pigs up. They they use their rooting action to move the hog log, and then they're all lined up eating the corn. And they'll push it round and round like that. So we just wait until three, four of them are lined up. And with her crossbow, it'll drive that veteran right through three, four. She's killed four hogs in one shot. That's the record. Wow. Man, all right. All right, we're going to put Matt to bed. We're just going to talk to Cindy the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I just make broad in. She kills everything. <laughs> well, I'm going to say. The thing about my crossbow is I can crank it myself. I don't have to hunt with Matt. There yeah, you go. exactly. Because <laughs> he'll, he'll be texting me and he'll say, I won't be in the blind, but maybe 15 minutes and he'll say do you see anything and i'll say yeah it's laying on the ground in front of me (laughs) (laughs) she's bringing home the meat man you gotta love that yeah yeah he'll say well just leave it there he says and and then shoot another one (laughs) (laughs) heck yeah i gotta say a lot of people come on the podcast and freezed up you did an awesome job yeah That that was killer crushed it she's killing everything thank you yeah i think the wine helped (laughs) the wine (laughs) wine loses it up i love talking about hunting because you know i used to be a city girl until i met my husband and let me tell you i could hunt seven days a week 24 hours a day (laughs) well good job matt converting yeah Yeah. good job man i'm trying to get my wife pumped she shot a big deer and now she just tells everybody she's a big deer hunter and (laughs) She doesn't shoot crap anymore. <laughs> it's too cold up here, man. We it's too cold up hey, here in the winter. You know what makes us real proud though is you know we only have one daughter and um, and everybody's like, oh, she's a girl. You needed a boy. All the hunting, fishing, and everything that you do. And heck, man, my daughter will out hunt all these guys around here ten to one, no problem. Yeah, we we seen that Facebook yeah. video, raw dog off the ground with a bow, pregnant, right? <laughs> Exactly. That is exactly. that is solid, man. I'm telling you what. That <laughs> That's is, getting it done. Yeah. Eight she's, months pregnant. She Eight center months. punched that turkey and it didn't go 15 yards and fell out of the sky dead. Bottom <laughs> cam just resting on her belly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're gonna ask my grandson. It's gonna be a. We know it's gonna be a boy, right? Do sometime in end of May, early June, and. uh we're we're gonna be when they ask our grandson, well, when did you start hunting? And he'll be able to say, well, when I was about eight months old. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I shot my first turkey about eight months. I was connected to it, so it's that counts. Yep. That's a kill. I'm counting that as a kill. So. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we love we love those videos you guys are putting out of you know just 
you guys got some very unique stuff happening with the with the veteran and and we're loving every second of it so yeah we're 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 definitely blessed to have a lot of folks send us i i gotta put a shout out to the guys at the rival uh joe schultz and his team i'm telling you they they do they shot some i think 13 or 14 just giant whitetail last year all on video they're going to be airing it here shortly i haven't seen it um but i've seen i've got the pictures oh my god i i've been in the industry 16 years i've met everybody okay and there's a lot of great people out there and a lot of folks like to talk to talk but um joe schultz and his team the goins brothers and uh is it uh, Doug Manning? I think, and um, those four guys are the epitome of what I would call, in my personal opinion, whitetail hunting experts. These guys not only got it done with their chosen equipment—bow, muzzleloader, rifle—but they get it on video with a very high degree of quality. That's man, it's so hard to do. They just the, the complete and total package, and um, they were very gracious enough to shoot the veteran broadhead last year and um killed some phenomenal animals that uh, we would all only just dream of shooting and they did it week after week month after month all season long it was amazing to see what they were able to accomplish so yeah i'll put a shout out we haven't released it yet but i we got a uh, we got a hold of a couple of them guys and they said that they wanted to come on the the podcast here and, and talk about talk about the the rivals so we appreciate the connection that you gave us uh with them um like you said i can tell just from texting with them and talking on the phone they're to give some redneck illinois country boys time on a podcast that we love putting out and to respectfully talk to me and say yeah we'll come on you know i mean that means a lot and i can tell that they're they're genuine good people so i want to put a shout out for the rival there too anybody listen to this check them out I'm telling you, they they are very professional. They're very good folks. They are phenomenal people. I wished my company was more successful quicker so we could do uh, much more with them. But we're at the point being a startup that we just can't. Right? We're uh, we're focused on rampant production, and that that that's uh, that's our focus right now. That that uh, that's the only thing we can focus on at the moment. So. But boy, I'm I'm really wanting to do work with them for years and years and years to come. They're just the true. They are definitely the folks that I prefer to work with. Can't yeah. speak enough about them. Just I, very good people. I wanna I wanna say that you know, I I can tell that you guys are gonna go a lot further than you even think you are because once people you know once people get to hear the veteran whether they hear it through marketing or podcast or Facebook or whatever. They hear about it, but what they have to do is they have to go out and buy it. And then once they buy it, they're hooked for life. Like me, I, people talk broadheads, and the only thing I can think of is the veteran. It's not fixed blade mechanical anymore in my brain. It's the veteran. No. Yeah. And once someone goes out and buys a pack and says, I'm going to, you know, I hear all these people talking about it. I'm going to go out and try it myself. And then they shoot them. They're going to be like, all right, these guys will not BSing me. They were straight up honest, and they're they're devastating. Like I say, red, white, and blue meat missiles, man. I mean, they crave to kill animals, you know, whitetail for me specifically, you know. And and 
I've never been more confident with shooting a broadhead on the end of my arrow to where I know that it's it's a if I release that arrow, it's a, it's a done animal. You know what I mean? There's yeah, no second guessing it. Here's the something that we take pride in is that you know I did all my forensic study of it, all the competition and things of when we talk about quality, man, the machinists that we have machining our 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 pieces and parts are just unbelievably talented. I'm humbled that they decided to take on the challenges of uh, working with me through the prototyping process to, to, with the end result being the veteran as it is. Now you add the blade company that's, these blades are made in America with American steel. And for years, everybody has just accepted the fact that, okay, if you're going to shoot a foam target to sight in or just get confidence in the fact that it is field point accurate with whatever you're going to shoot, fixed blade, mechanical, I don't care. What does the industry recommend? Oh, before you go deer hunting, in order for you to be an ethical hunter, you have to resharpen or replace those blades, right? So the industry puts the onus on the bow hunter to fix the broadhead's limitations before they go hunting. For me, I think I approached it as, really? Why can't I make a higher quality blade? So even if they shoot it a thousand times into that foam target, it is still hair shaving scalpel sharp because I want them to be able to shoot it through animals multiple times and still be hair shaving scalpel sharp. So it should be able to handle foam too, wouldn't you think? So that's what the veteran delivers is the absolute highest quality blades bar none in this industry that are durable and reusable, not not disposable. And it's great on your cuticles when you're waiting to kill a deer. <laughs> oh I would say the, the wives surely appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, Matt, can you answer a question with one a one word answer? Oh God, no. <laughs> no. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> I think you've already covered it, but I just want to uh, reiterate it. Do you call the veteran broadhead a hybrid or a mechanical broadhead? Um, neither. 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 I, I, I don't subscribe. It's the it's uh, I call it an automatic. It's an automatic broadhead. It's it automatically adjusts its cutting width. It's a new category entirely. I don't like being lumped into. Other categories have brought it. A hybrid is nothing but a fixed blade and the mechanical married together. Okay, all you did was kind of you 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 kind of kept the reliability of an exposed cutting surface in a very small cut width, and you still have a jackknife style or uh, some other mechanical motion of blades that have to work before the exposed cutting surfaces start doing their job, and all those things do is remove energy from your penetrating distance potential and add a huge component of potential failure mechanism, all right? And at higher impact energies and speeds, they tend to fail more often. So the veteran brought it is engineered. You understand, do you understand that for every factor of one, you increase velocity, you exponent, you square the resistance of the medium you're trying to get through, right? So what that means is as fast as, Every year, the bows and crossbows get faster and faster. And like my friend Sam Wood of uh, um, Sam Wood's Outdoors, he shoots them out of 50 caliber air rifles over 500 feet per second. So you're squaring the resistance of that animal's 
you know, the ease of penetrating that animal that is reflected back into the structural integrity of the broadhead. So all these little broadheads with little tiny screws and, and jackknife open little bitty blades to keep the weight down and this and that, they're going to just snap and tend to, to break. Plus, going from zero to 500 feet per second, they'll prematurely open. And uh, and then that's a big problem because then you don't have any accuracy. But the, the, the reality is, is it technically a mechanical? Yes. But it's it's not your typical mechanical. So I had some customers and we had a discussion on this on the phone, not on the Internet, but on the phone. And, and we went round and round on what and it kind of got condensed down to calling it an automatic. It's the world's first automatic broadhead and automatic in the sense of it automatically adjusts its cutting width for straight line arrow travel. Um, that that's is one word. Right? Yeah, I would say that is the best damn one word answer I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna blame my wife. She's making me drink all this wine. I would say, I know I've gotten messed up on wine a time or two before. <laughs> no, no, no. Really, I'm I'm sober. It's it's just like my wife will tell you, and like you guys have already explained, I am pretty passionate about what I've done for for well for 14 years anyway 15 years um we only ran the aerodynamic solutions as a hobby business you know i owned a consultant company and that's what i did for a living i i just i just played around with the broadhead business and we sold broadheads every year and, and it was fun to do um but now a veteran innovative products with this new what i call a mainstream design in in the veteran and plus supported with the product line of the hog log yeah we're we're trying to make this a full-time proposition and um and it's looking looking pretty good so we are very vested in this company and we're pushing very hard and and uh, i do take pride in the entire team that's helped me get to where we are today because yeah i invented the darn thing but there's a lot of people play key roles in allowing us to get to where you and i are able to talk today about broadheads and bow hunting and some of the success stories that we've all enjoyed oh yeah absolutely i mean everybody's played a key role in getting to where everybody's at today uh before we wrap this up uh, i want to ask you where do you see vip in five years of, of course, being a military mindset, um, I didn't get into this business to do it full time and not be number one. Uh, we're going to dominate the globe with respect to producing the world's finest broadheads. And um, and this is generation number one with this first generation of veteran. So we're we're coming with this and more. I'm excited to see what you bring, because like I said, you already brought you already brought the best, in my opinion, in the world. So anything on top of this is the damn name is in the the name of the company innovative. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean it, you're you're not putting out another another mechanical with a rubber ring, or you're not putting out another fixed blade, three bladed fixed blade. That's the same thing with a different name. It's I, automatic. It, I mean you're you're so beyond your next level in the broadhead market, and. I think once people, like I said, once they try it and they see, because like you said, when people get stuck on something that they like, then they're just there. You know what I mean? And Which is fine. Yeah, that's fine. And it's I mean, eventually, I, like you said, they're going to have a failure. They're going to have something that they don't like. Like Homie, he loved his broadhead. We're not gonna, we won't name names, but he loved it. No. 
would would yeah. swear up and down about it until he had a bad encounter and lost that buck. And then he's he's messaged me that same day like, hey man, what do you shoot? Because I know, I know it was my broadhead because he had the same thing happen last year. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well maybe maybe it's my bow poundage. Maybe I need up my bow poundage. He upped his bow poundage. That didn't solve the problem. Got a whole new bow. Got a whole new bow. Then. You know, whole new bow, whole new sight, whole new work, you know. And then he went into this year like, all right, I'm going to succeed at what I want to do. Shooting the same broadhead, didn't succeed. Switched to the veteran, first deer, boom, you know, succeeded. So, I mean, that in itself says a lot. It's all all he switched was his broadhead, you know, and he and he, he gained what he wanted instead of, you know, upping his speed or upping his poundage, you know. So I, I'm super excited to see what you guys bring to the table and uh, I'm just along for the ride because I'm gonna be riding the the veteran train for for life. Hell yes! It's like every day we learn something new. I'm a pretty old guy, and but I never get tired of learning. And now that we've got the veteran out there and everything we've learned in the evolution of engineering this broadhead and seeing the the death reports coming back from around the world uh, on the performance of it. I'm excited to say, although I can't speak in details, but I'm excited to say I had another key, I like to say epiphany, if you will, in thought with respect to next generation, well beyond even the veteran that um, that is uh, that is in the work. So um, that's about all I can say is. But if um, if you think the veteran is good, why do you see what's coming? (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm excited. We're hanging on. Yeah. yeah. Well, Matt, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night. And and, and Cindy. And Cindy, thank yeah, you she too. killed yeah, it. Yeah, she killed it. So we appreciate you getting that story out to our listeners. It's such a cool buck and a cool story. And uh, We're going to have to listen to this again to see if we'll just dial Cindy up next time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? You guys, you guys don't want to talk about ion implantation equipment? Come on. See, here we go. Particle accelerators is where it's at. It's exciting. Accelerator too. <laughs> You've learned enough. It's probably you? just you talking dirty to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. You know, bows and arrows. They shoot arrows. You know, broadhead tipped arrows. About oh, like we were talking out of an air rifle, five hundred plus feet per second. There's actually a European crossbow that shoots over five hundred feet per second as well. I'm used to working on particle accelerators where we're shooting creating and shooting positive ions in excess of 7 million miles an hour. And we're stopping, stopping them. We're implanting and stopping them within a silicon lattice structure with measurements in angstroms. So go look up that word. <laughs> angstroms. Got it. Silicon yeah. lattice something structure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh. broad bow hunting is just fun, fun, relaxing stuff for me. It's, uh, I love it. I love it. Like I said, we we can't thank you enough uh, for your service, for making this product that, like I said, that we have confidence to shoot, and and, and for and for sharing and and representing this podcast. I mean, uh, we you know we can't we can't thank you enough. I don't even know what to say in words that you know can show our our gratitude to you for coming on here and and for helping us you know ride this podcast out. Just like you, uh, yeah. you're passionate about the the broadhead. You know, we're passionate about this podcast, and we have so much fun 
and we learn something. Like you said, we're always learning something on here every time. We, and we take notes, and we got piles of notes in the studio of stuff we've learned from people from Virginia and Michigan and Texas. And that's that and meeting people and making connections is the number one thing that's coming out of this podcast for me and getting to hang out with my best friend, homie, all the time. And our wives let us do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big key. (laughs) It always always starts, you know, it starts by people doing something. Everybody is, it's so easy for people to talk, but then it's those rare people that actually start doing it and then stick with it and learn while they're doing it to improve. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. And I frankly... We don't have the time to do much marketing type stuff. I get pounded all the time. Oh, you need to do this. You need. I can't. I don't have time. Uh, so we greatly appreciate your enthusiasm and your passion for doing the podcast. And that's why when you contacted me and uh, and I heard your first podcast there, and I was like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to support you guys. You, you guys got more passion than I've heard out of the 1,000 other people that hit me up with the same thing. And so it's your passion that sparked my interest in what you guys do. And then I got to listening to you all, and I thought, hell, what the hell did I sign my, myself up for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah no, is... I, I really appreciate what you guys do and helping us spread the word of Veteran Innovative Products and our, our product and um, the veteran and the hog log. And we look forward to a, a good, long, and fun relationship because, as you've probably heard, my wife and I as my business partner, Chris Albrecht, and uh, we're all about definitely taking care of business and doing what we have to do. But at the end of the day, our focus is always about having fun, doing the right thing. And, and really, regardless of what broadhead people choose to put on the end of their bow and arrow, we really focus on, please, get the next generation of kids out away from them video games, get, them, get a bow in their hand, get them in the woods, and teach them the realities of life and death and in uh, personal responsibility. And we'll we'll see all this other city stuff go away if we have more kids out in the woods. Yeah, we just had uh, the podcast that's going to be coming out um, strictly about getting kids out in the woods. It was super cool awesome. to have. It was just a dad and a grandpa, and that's their main goal is filming their kids to get them out in the woods and to show people how they're doing it to motivate people to get their kids out. And it is super cool. And I, like I said, I got a two and a half year old and I'm dying to get him out there. And, uh, they gave me a lot of good ideas. We took a lot of notes on that and, uh, homie's got a, almost a two year old. So we got it. And I, I got one on the way in two weeks. So, I mean, Oh man, yeah. congratulations. So we're, uh, we're trying to pump out a bunch of podcasts real quick because I'm gonna be <laughs> gonna be <laughs> a little be out, busy. I'm gonna be out of the little out of the loop for a couple of weeks trying to get back into have. I'm gonna. This is the step two. So two kids. This this next level stuff. So <laughs> well, it sounds like between between homie and my wife, you Cody and I are not needed anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's pretty good at picking up those hints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Man, hey. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Anytime you need somebody to to chat and and uh, talk about bow hunting and engineering, fun keel and stuff, just give us a call. We'd be more than happy to support your needs. All right, thank you, man. We can't say enough for you coming on. We appreciate that, and uh, this is going to be an awesome episode. You absolutely crushed it, man. Uh, <laughs> just to the listeners, thank you guys so much. Uh, we love you guys. We say it every week, and uh, keep hitting that play button. White to Legacy out.
let's drink a beer and you get it perfect. 